Hey, welcome to the TVA Podcast with comedian Todd Van Allen and me, Darcy Fyan. This show is not work safe, not family friendly, and not to be taken seriously. Seriously. Good day, folks. This is episode 65 of the TVA Podcast. This is Todd Van Allen here, and uh, we have producer right across the interweb from me, uh, Darcy Fyander. How are you? Very good, Todd. Very nice. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're actually not in a bar this week, and uh, I think it's a good thing, actually. Really? Yeah. We can talk about last week in a second, but I want to bring in our uh, our special guest as soon as possible because uh, this guy I just found freakishly by chance. We can talk about social networking later. I just. Um, uh, I met him through Facebook, kind of. I'll get into uh, why. This guy was one of my mentors way back in the day when I was starting out in university and just trying to do stand-up a little bit. This guy was an accomplished headliner, and I guess I still owe him money. That's the only reason he was uh, still hanging out with me then. But uh, we're back together, ladies and gentlemen, Wayne Turmel. So Who's how the that? heck are you, kid? <laughs> <laughs> how are you, daddy? <laughs> oh man, getting older by the minute, brother. But it's all good. The um, the uh, it, it, it was true. There was there was mentoring going on. I I don't know if you have this memory that I do. Like whenever I won, the the memory I have, and I can't remember who was with you, but it was after I had done the uh, the contest for yucks. And we went to the after party at the pilot, and you and someone else made me drink out of the trophy that they gave me, and it wasn't really watertight, so it was just spilling all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> what was... year is this, Todd? Oh, it's an it's an old one, ninety one. That wow. would have been. Yeah, okay. yeah. I've been at it for a while. And it was probably Kenny Robinson, as I recall. I, you know what? I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I'd be very surprised it, if it, it was. It, it was probably my boy. Yeah. <laughs> So how are you? Wait, so uh, let's 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 get some um, some background on you, just so folks aren't going. Okay, so who the hell is this guy? Um, Wayne well, is well, because half the people who paid money to see me headline are dead now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so, hey, I've paid good so, Wayne Termel money. Now, now I know how Gary David felt all those years, and there's a reference about five people yes. will get. Yep, and and of the people who uh, listen to this podcast, one. Okay, perfect. I think it's me. It's you, um, Todd, right? <laughs> it God bless his soul. So, um, so yeah, I knew Wayne from, uh, from like I said, way back in the day. We were both uh, stamps. And then you went to the States for a while. Why don't yeah, you, you give wife, a bit of the backstory on Wayne? Well, uh, yeah, I, I started doing stand-up in 79 in Vancouver and moved to Toronto, oh gosh, about 81, 82 and then in 91, my ex-wife got custody of Canada. Uh. And, I, <laughs> and frankly, I frankly, I got tired of the, are you going to sign Yuck's uh, non-exclusive contract thing? And went, you know, I can go starve in a much bigger country. <laughs> and uh, decided it was time to put up or shut up. And so right. in 91, I moved to L.A. And in 92, 80% of the comedy clubs in America closed. <laughs> Uh, I try not to see a cause and effect there. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps you've seen Wayne tearing apart rooms. No, seriously, tearing them apart. There's a wake of destruction. Exactly. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, I I kicked around L.A. 
for about a year and a half, got into the corporate training business, which has been very, very good to me. Uh, mm-hmm. About seven years, we moved to Chicago, and so here I am in the pasty white suburbs of Chicago. Right, which is a great city, by the way. I really, really dig Chicago. It, uh, it, it's just been a blast. But, you know, it's like everything else. It's like living out in Mississauga. How often do you actually get into Toronto? Not often. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we live out here in what I like to refer to as Wild Republican Safari. <laughs> <laughs> you drive by and, you know, pasty white people and soccer moms jump on your car and, you know, right. beg you not to vote for Obama. It's, it's really kind of <laughs> sad. Do they throw money? Oh, oh, you wouldn't believe it. It, it is uh, – it's a three-beer conversation just on that, man. Nice. <laughs> but those are the people you're pitching. Well, you know, it's it's amazing huh? being like grown up and, and the first thing I learned when I got into the business world is, you know, I spent the first 10, 13 years of my adult life saying the first thing that came into my head and about uh-huh. the last 15 or so trying not to let it slip out. Yes. So it's, I just walk around with a permanent filter, you know, right. it's a, a very, and, and you're a bad influence on me. I uh, bet. Um because we, we sort of went into this through cross-purposes, actually, for where we've ended up, because I used to be in that game. I used to do the corporate training and all that sort of fun stuff, um, and then ended up in this one corporation that was um, – uh, Darcy, you know the one I mean. Should I name it? Yeah, why yeah not? we're going to name it. Because anymore. We've said, oh, you yes, have better lawyers than I do, buddy. <laughs> yes, it, what, did it fold? What? No, not K-Stack. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I didn't fold. No, but I you know what? No, no, no. Because we said ages ago, if you got something to say, you say it. So I went to Audience View. And um, I, I went there from like a, like an insurance software company where exactly like, you know, the clients that you're talking to are like very stodgy, very conservative uh, insurance people because, you know, they're funny. They're a barrel of laughs. And uh, it went to this like sifting software place where everybody, you know, everyone is like, you know, it's very casual atmosphere. You, you know, you can wear shorts. People are swearing at each other in meetings. It's all, you know, very fun. And then I actually found myself in like another sort of like business casual type software company afterwards and really had to bite my tongue till it bled an awful lot of times in like meetings and stuff. Just brutal the amount of like the amount of shift that you need to put out there and just go okay I'm not gonna say eat me right now because yeah, this guy's doing I, uh, you know yeah I, I get it. it you know it, it's really quite amazing um, I actually developed about a quarter inch callus over the mm-hmm. uh, tip of my tongue mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I got really good I realized I realized that you know as much as I might want to grab this person by the lapels and shake some sense into them nobody mm-hmm. needs a visit from the nice lady in HR no <laughs> Where they bring out your folder. <laughs> you see your folder on the desk, which by this time has gotten quite thick. And oh, she says, heavens, yes. Yeah. And she says things like, so how did that meeting go yesterday? And you're trying not to say, well, that cocksucker just wouldn't. Never mind. You know, and that just adds more paper to the file. And it was, yeah. Exactly. Was nice. But on the other hand, when somebody decides to write my biography, uh, there will be a paper trail. For a good, chunk of- <laughs> not not the yuck yucks years, of course, because you know, no, there there was no press, but no. Uh, my civilian life is well documented. <laughs> so so okay. So speaking of your civilian life right now, yeah, uh, 
because you know because you you know now are at liberty to swear i know that you don't often on your podcast oh no i'm terribly grown no. up and sure ah, you know the problem is i've got like this kid now and yeah. even though she's 15 and has like a real little potty mouth like her mom mm-hmm. i still try <laughs> you know again i've put that filter on it's really quite disturbing but I, I remember back in the day, though, you were never that big of a blue comic. I mean, like you were, you were, you had smart premises, very clean. Like you and I sort of swam in that same circle. You had some, you had some stuff that might you might deem racy, but certainly wasn't blue. Well, I just found it was a way I could get work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, quite frankly, <laughs> because as much as you know, there were people that were way funnier than me. Um, you never knew what, what some of those cats were going to say, whereas me, you had a 50-50 shot of not having anybody walk out. Right. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a marketing ploy. Frankly. It, was, it was also the days of the, of like, let, let's be fair, it was the pioneering days of, of Yuck Yucks when they held all the cards and it really didn't matter. Eh, you know? That's true, but you know when you're trying to get work outside of yucks, i.e., con- conventions and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know you could only uh, you could only headline Kingston so many times a year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm know, not headlining and, there on Thursday, but I will be there. Well, and let's face it, most people who spend as much time in Kingston as you do are you know wearing a jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know that's what I was wearing? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I don't. Don't make fun of your wardrobe, Mister. <laughs> I wear a tie and a shirt with a collar and pants without stains. Well, the shirt and tie is right. Okay, <laughs> but you're not in the side of the highway picking up garbage like Todd will be. On well, what can I tell you? Because <laughs> you know, Darcy, no, man, Dad, I, I, worked, I always worked. I always worked clean because, um, you know, I, my I never knew who was going to be in the audience. Yes. And every once in a while, I would run into somebody from my, you know, Baptist Sunday School teacher past. Right. And they would give me that look that my mother used to give me. When did, I you used to te- did you used to teach Baptist Are you kidding Sunday me? School? Yeah. Did oh, we yeah, never have this their, conversation? They, they had their hooks in me, man. Really? Oh, yeah. My, my mother was a Baptist Sunday School teacher. It was until I was about 15. Uh-huh. I taught Sunday School. I was like the pillar of my community. And then you know, discovered girls and beer and stuff. Well, pardon my vernacular, but sweet Jesus. Um, I ne- I've known you for like how long? I didn't know because my dad was a minister. Did uh, we ever have that conversation? Yes. Okay, so we had that one. Okay, yeah. So, you know, and part then, of it is, you know, the ghost of my mother would haunt me if I said anything too dirty on stage. Right. My mother always, like to this day, I'm like, Mom, I'm 38, I pay my own taxes, I have my own place. You know, she you still threatens to... I well, quite quite a lot actually. Um, it's it's Canada, man. You remember? <laughs> oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's not like your little oh is it tax time and you flip a quarter in the fountain as you walk by that you're used to right now. It's uh, you know it's a hard slog up here. Well, um, no, I pay fifteen hundred dollars a month for medical, so you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's John right. Wing, we can John have- Wing. Oh, he's had the best line about that. Yeah. And, and notice, I'm giving proper attribution. Absolutely, that's the way we do he it here. Said, he always said the thing about Canada is a pack of cigarettes is seven bucks, but a heart transplant is free. Yep, <laughs> that's a good line. And, and I have I have uh, used that line on more than one occasion. And do you footnote? Oh yes, yes. I still yeah. do it out of habit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you still <laughs> doing any stand up, Wayne? Oh no, 
No, I did retired? my last. I did my last gig. This is true. I, I did my last gig uh, three days after I got my first full-time training job. There was a little club in Simi Valley, California that I used to play, and the the cheesy. It was a converted gas station. I'm not making that up. What was and, the name of it? Oh God, what was it? Oh, I know what it was. It was the Laugh Hut, or the. The Laugh Hut. And, and I, I know this. Oh, God, this is so bizarre. I'm having flashbacks. It's, it was a gas station that had been gutted, and somehow he bribed somebody uh, to give him a liquor license. And right. he turned it into – it looked like a grass hut from Gilligan's Island. Uh-huh. And the, the lawyer slash MC who owned the joint uh, used to come out in a Hawaiian shirt and everything and, and run the show. And they, they loved me there. I always did great. And I remember New Year's Eve. This is the last New Year's Eve that I did. I'm getting off track, mm-hmm. but it's a good story. Awesome. Last New Year's Eve that I did, I, I was the headliner. I was on at midnight, and I had to finish by midnight because they were dropping the pineapple. What? Huh? This club was so cheesy. They had a pineapple on a string, and instead of the ball in Times Square, they had a little <laughs> oh. pineapple that they dropped. And and the, the hors d'oeuvres were – the guy's kids were running them over in trays from his house, which was a block away. <laughs> so they'd heat up like Totino's pizza rolls in the oven and then run them over to the, uh, to the club for the people that were there. That was our New Year's Eve hors d'oeuvres. Very nice. That's and, a very good uh, last gig. It, well, it wasn't bad. And it was shortly after that that I uh, quit and the guy bet me 100 bucks that I'd be back. <laughs> Did you and collect? Oh hell no! Because <laughs> you might he still go paid, back. He never paid me when I, you know, he never paid me when I did the gigs. <laughs> I remember going down to his law office twice <laughs> to try to he get. He was a lawyer. For- yeah. <laughs> uh, so you'd think he'd know things like bit, labor laws and every contracts. Bit as successful a lawyer as he was a comedian. Ah, uh, okay. So he's one of those. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I, I hear people talk about cheesy gigs, and I'm like, yeah, kid, you don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. So when when you said this this place was built into a gas station, I immediately thought maybe that was the maybe that was the place they used in Punchline the movie. You remember it that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, my God. It, yeah, but it, it didn't it, look like it didn't look like a tiki hut. Like it was it, it did look like a gas station. And I think that's what they call it, the gas station. And it was underground, and you'd go to it, and it was like this big sort of, uh, like almost like a cabaret-style seating, really high stage it seemed to have. Uh, you know, you, you've, yeah. the, the movie punchline, oh my god, you are ripping psychic scabs off wounds that have taken years to heal. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. It'll, it'll never happen. Because, you know, uh, it's, bad, it's hard enough being a female comic without having be your only model on on screen Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there yeah. was that really big bull dikey one that had the shoulder pads. Well, this and, is also true. And the guy that dressed up like a nun and did the lesbian lunchbox. But those are like actual comics. I mean, like, like what's his name? Barry Sobel? He yeah. was the guy that, he was, the, he was the main guy in it. And then there was, there's this one guy, I, I'd seen him on, he was, he played the evil comic. I can't remember his name. Maybe you've run into him. Oh, I don't even remember, man. I, it's so weird. I, I watch like Comedy Central or, or whatever, and, and I see these people that I cross trails with, and and mm-hmm. I, I 
you know, I, I have flashbacks and I go, oh, my God, I worked with him and I can't. But and then there's that part of me that even though I hung it up, you know, low these many years, it's got to be coming up on. Mm, it's got to be coming up on 12 years since I hung it up. Wow. I I, I still go. Why has he got that gig? Why are not? <laughs> you know, so the professional jealousy in the old folks' home. I'm going to be going in there. You know, some some guys. You know, screaming for his mother, and I'm going to go. And you hack, Vaudry did that back in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's still doing it, but now he's doing it in the UK. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I'm totally with you on that. It's on a smaller scale. Um, t- two things. I've been doing some some voice stuff now, so I'll be sent out to auditions. And I have to go out and like you know, uh, you know, go through the lines and stuff like that. So you see the script that they're trying to cast for, and you're reading it and all that sort of fun stuff. And then uh, you know, you don't get the gig, but then you hear the commercial on the radio like months later, and you go, "Oh shit, I could have had that." You know, oh yeah, if I didn't suck. Well, there I is that. Too. Yeah, if I didn't suck. Um, but no, like in in terms of like the the recognition factor, and that this this was actually one of the reasons why I got back into it again. Um, you remember what I, I don't know. You weren't here when Mike Bullard had his show on. No, of course not. Canada actually got television after I left. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I like unpacked so, my suitcase. I, I was, I was living with Tim Conlon in, in LA. Oh man. Yeah. We were roommates for like a year or so. And I unpacked my suitcase and he said, okay, I'm on my way to the airport. I said, where are you going? He's going up to do this TV show in Canada. I said, there are no TV shows in Canada. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which pretty Sidebar. much tells you, you know, the, the, the arc of my career. Right. Well, you hang with Tim Conlon. He's a nice guy. Tim's great. I, I, I love Timmy. And, and uh, he was great until I got married. And he decided that he didn't want those cooties. Right. But he's not married now, is he? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. No. Because actually, he was, he's in a, uh, one of my favorite movies. I'm just trying to think of which one it is right now. It's, um, he, I, is it a Coen Brothers movie that he just made it in? It's not Intolerable Cruelty. I don't know. I haven't talked it's, to it's, him. In, he's in... got a little bit part. You just you see the light click. I was I was watching the movie the other day, and it's like one that I own is like that's Tim Conlon right yeah, there. Yeah, he's a political from, operative. Yeah, or something like that. No, he, he doesn't FBI actually speak at that something. point. Yeah, yes, he speaks, oh, and then you don't even right. see him speak. You see you see like the back of him as he moves in front of the guy, and yep. it seems to me it's a Coen Brothers movie. No, it's not. But uh, you know what? It, because your audience has nothing better to do. Yeah, Google watch that. me hit IMDb. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what. It was. Second, in the meanwhile, keep talking. I'm sitting anyway. at my. I'm sitting at my. Uh, oh, there he is, right there. <laughs> well, Todd, you were saying about voiceover. It was Ocean's uh, Thirteen. Ocean's really? Thirteen. That's oh. the one. Yes. It's Agent Caldwell's deputy. That's right. You own that, Todd? I do. I own all the oceans. Hmm. I own every last one of them. You sound like you're playing Risk. <laughs> I've got all the oceans, man. You can't. I've got all the oceans, man. Kamchatka is up for grabs. Every last one. You start with Australia and you work your way out. A lot of people don't see it that way, but that's how I roll. There you go. See, I always took the the uh, Mongolian route. I I went went from Kamchatka and then stormed across Europe. Bah, bah! I say. Yeah, bring it on, monkey boy. Russia will kick your ass at that point. No, it gives you direct route into South Asia. Are you kidding me? 
Hello, good evening, and welcome to Nerd Chat. Tonight, we're... No. Um, Please, you know what? You know what? I don't want to hear about Southeast Asia tonight. I'm up to my neck in the election down here. And yeah. if I hear Hanoi or, or Vietnam one more time, my head is going to explode. How are you hearing that? Like, what's, what's the context? Because I'm not hearing any of that. Oh, but then oh, keep oh my God. Mind, I haven't and, turned on a TV in about a month. So Yeah, it's so painful, man. It's, it's you know, the election's coming up. They're in the middle of the, the convention. And, and I, you know, my usual cynical self, because I'm still a Canadian citizen, so I can't vote. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't bother me except every four years. And, right. and I, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm totally a junkie. It's actually squeezing out all my porn time. It's mm-hmm. so awful. <laughs> so you know, my wife's going, for- honey, the door's open. What are you doing? Are you crazy? Yeah. So what's with the, what's with the, the Hanoi references that I don't get? Oh, because John McCain, in case you didn't know, uh, had been a, a prisoner in the Hanoi yeah. Hilton. Yeah, I, I, I don't pay attention yeah. to that. So oh, the Hanoi Hilton, oh. was, that a, was that a nice hotel? You get the room service? Yeah, uh, apparently it was. Was he headlining a, there? <laughs> yeah, apparently it was a. Uh, it was a Judy gig from out west. <laughs> so they wouldn't pay travel. Right. If you, were head- if you weren't headlining, it wasn't worth doing. Right. <laughs> okay, so two people maybe got that one, but I'm, I'm glad you threw it out there anyway. Um, hey, hey, my material's 12 years old, man. <laughs> <So> my frame, <laughs> then what are you doing talking about McCain? <laughs> so by the way, okay, so this was, this was news because I was doing the um, – uh, I did the, uh, the the new material show up here, which was uh, the the theme of the show is you got to go up and do nothing but new material, like you couldn't have done it at any point. And uh, I oh, it, the, they give you a topic as well, so the topic was breakups. And so I just had this one joke. I was thinking it's kind of like breakups. It's like um, I was talking about the U.S. election for a bit and just the candidacy of Palin um, on the Republican ticket. And it says, like, you know, elections are kind of like breakups, except you've got your next girlfriend in the room as you're breaking up with the other person. It's like, okay, we're done. You'll do now. And then you move on to the next one. But I was getting into this thing, and you must know it yourself, because there's enough photos of her out there. She's tidy, isn't she? She she has that whole naughty librarian thing down. Yeah. yeah. Well, she came rep- second in a beauty contest, right? Miss uh, hey, Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, she came second in Miss Alaska. <laughs> so, you know, first, context first place is everything. had antlers. Yeah. So, okay. you know, that's not really that big a feat. Okay, There's a yeah. severe <laughs> drop from two to three. <laughs> There's a lot of eye patches from three to ten. It, it's there. There are prosthetics involved. That's yeah. all I'm saying. The uh, the the line I had on her. Was that, uh, you know, I don't, because you got to set the picture for people who may not have known. It says, I don't know if you've seen pictures of her, but she's this mother from, a senator from, from Alaska. And I am doing a bit, but I'm calling back to it. So we don't do bits on the show, but you can reference them. And this is the reference I'm doing because I want to get your, your thoughts on this. Um, I said, yeah, she is hot as botulism. No doubt about it. It's good to see the Republicans finally got their head on straight and secured that all-important MILF vote that they've been missing out on for so long. I don't know if you know, there's actually a website called VP Ilf. Yes. That came out that day. It came uh, out that day. You know, the, the perverts and nerds, and more importantly, the perverted nerds, are mm-hmm. really quick on the draw. Guess where I found out about that website. Guess okay. what the new 
the new point of media is. It's the same place I found out uh, about Palin being uh, put onto the Republican ticket. It wasn't Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. There you go. Twitter is the new one. It is. It is the new. It is the new 140 characters of the truth, my friend. Do you have uh, a Twitter unless... handle, Wayne? Do you have a Twitter account? You know what? I do not Twitter. I yeah, have, no. I've got this big old podcast. I've got LinkedIn. I've got all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm busy like trying to run a company and a life and stuff. And I had to make a decision: how much time was I going to spend? Yeah. You know, how much of my life am I going to spend in front of a computer screen when my business is mostly done in front of a computer screen? So just for my uh, sanity, I needed to uh, just let Twitter pass me by. Mm -hmm. Todd had that same little internal dialogue and then chose the opposite. I totally did. But you're doing good. I I really enjoy your uh, your Twitter posts. (laughs) Do you? Yeah, uh, you're totally owning it now. You're... uh, more than I thought you were going to, and I suggested it to you, and you went, huh? Uh, yeah. What is this? You know the other thing, though? Yeah? I couldn't bring myself to open a Twitter account and have nobody follow me. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you know, my ego is hanging from a thread at the best right. of times. When you have a 15-year-old yeah. daughter, that will happen. Right. And I, I just couldn't put myself out there and then just see the number, you know, zero. But- Well, this is the thing, though, and this is what I've noticed about instead of Facebook. So, firstly, before we get into the Twitter thing, the fact that we met through Facebook, but then the first email you sent me was, I don't use Facebook, is a lie. It's not a lie. I don't have a Facebook account. Well, then how did we hook up? Because I I was just searching around one day. I said, I wonder if Wayne Turmel's on this thing. And I found one Wayne Turmel. I assumed it was you, you know, poked or sent a message. And then you sent me a message going, I don't use Facebook. Well, obviously you do. You know what? I think like a gazillion years ago when it first started, somebody had sent me an invitation and the only way I could like respond was to open the account. Right. But if I have it, it's years old and I've never looked at it. So so you just what I did is the same thing I do with everybody finds me, you know, via the internet, and that includes people like my first wife. Is I (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that that was a fascinating experience. So, So how did that poke go? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, the, the, there was a vampire bite involved and, you know, it, it, actually she tried to vampire bite me and then I finally, after all this time, put a stake to You countered with the angry pirate? <laughs> arr, arr. <laughs> actually, actually, kind of a funny story. You got time for this? Oh, of course. We got nothing time. You, you, guys, you guys edit this. Okay, here's the deal. No, so when my, when my first book came out <laughs> in, in 2003, right. it, it, I you know, put it out on the internet and blah, blah, blah. So I get an email from this woman whose last name I don't recognize. Right. And I open the email against my better judgment, but, you know, it was from a chick. So I open the email, and it turns out to be the former Mrs. Termel. Nice. And she says, found your book, blah, 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 blah. I'd love to get a copy of it. And I was reasonably kind to her in the book. So I said, okay, fine. So I, I sent her the book. And I, I said to my wife that so, night. So wait, so, so wait a second. You're talking, you actually talk about her in the book? Like, what's, what's the context of this book? Like, what's the content of it? The what are you book was about? Called, uh, the book was called A Philistine's Journal, An Average Guy Tackles the Classics. Okay. And so it's basically when I turned 40, I decided to read all the books I should have read in college. And then right. wrote little essays about them. Nice. And, and it's, 
it's it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny book. You can get it on on Amazon and or from my fabulous website or whatever. But that answers that answers a question I was going to ask later. But go on, sorry. So okay. anyway, um, so I send her the book, and so I, I get home and I say, "Honey, you'll never guess who I got an email from today." And and the Duchess says, "What did that bitch want?" Mm-hmm. Now I have never talked bad about my my first bride. Not right. where anybody can hear. No, I. I Oh, it's just one of those things. It's done. It's over. It's I. You know, I it, am in the same boat. So, I, uh, so people who, my people wife who listen just, to know the same thing. I do not speak ill of my my ex wife either. There's no right. reason to. I'm with you. Totally with you on this. So all of a sudden, my, my bride goes crazy and says, "What does that bitch want?" And I I said, "Well, honey, it's it's not this big deal. Uh, she just you know she found my book on the internet and blah blah blah, and she wanted to know if she could get a copy. Well, you're not going to send her one, are you?" And, and I wow. said, "Well." Yeah, matter of fact, I already did. But, you know, honey, there's no reason to be upset. Matter of fact, here, I'll just say, you know, I'll show you the email. So I forwarded her the email. Oh, boy. (laughs) So that day, I get back to my desk, and the little message light is flashing. And all I hear on the voicemail is, thank you so much for giving me her email address. Oh, sweet Jesus. (laughs) And and I don't know if you've ever actually... I don't know if you've ever actually heard a sphincter slam shut. <laughs> it's kind of a metallic clank. If you haven't. oh, I have heard that actually, and yeah. yeah, Jesus, man. Now, as it turns out, she was just busting my chops. Something she is inordinately good at. <sighs> That's good. I, I gotta say, I need new pants right now, and I wasn't even there. Yeah, it was one of those That's... terrifying moments. <sighs> Brutal, dude. <laughs> Such is the power of the internet. So anyway, when you when you sent me the thing, hey, you're on you know Facebook and and you want to hook up. I, I sent you the note that I send to everybody, which is, look, you know, I might be a dinosaur, but I use LinkedIn, and you've got my email address now. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to reconnect, but you know, there's only so much time in my life. Absolutely. And you know what? This is this is what I find funny. Like every, it's this whole. You can figure out who uh, read Wikonomics. Because everyone wants to have some sort of social networking type thing. Like, like MySpace sort of had that. But then you looked at people, what people were doing with their pages, and it just got too cumbersome. And then Facebook came in and totally streamlined it. And then Twitter just took one aspect of it. Like, everyone wants to have this some sort of, um, some sort of, uh, Way to connect with people. And this is this is what I found funny actually, because you mentioned LinkedIn. You can see the difference between the, um, the the different sites and the different services they have. Like LinkedIn is very professional. Everyone uses mm-hmm. their proper names. They, uh, they make sure all that information is up to date, personal. Oh yes, I'm connecting with Wayne, who's going to connect me with someone else, and Darcy, he can get me into here and here. It's, it's like it is truly a business networking thing. Facebook is a step back from that. You're coming home. You're, you know, you want to connect with friends and maybe you know people who are friends of people and you hook up with them. And if you're using it like I and half the other comics in Toronto do, you can use it to, hey, I'm going to be in this city, all my friends in this area, friends in quotes. You know, it's, it's more casual. And then Twitter is just like the I ate pie right now. Like that's, that's all it is. And the other thing about Twitter, because we didn't, uh, obviously didn't hook up on that. No one uses their real name in that. Or hardly anyone do. It's always like acronyms and stuff like that. Like you'll you'll know a guy is like you know Steve you know Steve's uh, you know 
Steve Sheen, let's say on uh, on um, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, and then he'll be like, you know, ankle pajamas or something on Twitter, and you go, well, how the hell was I supposed to know that? So you wouldn't need to worry about people not following exactly. you. Exactly. They just want to know it's you. Those, yeah. It's one of those things. This is where I turn into, like, the cranky old man mm-hmm. because, you know, I just picture a future where everybody has giant thumbs and no vowels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's the yeah. name of your podcast again? It's, it's Cranky what? Cranky Middle Manager? <laughs> cranky Middle Manager Show. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got around to that. We've been alluding to this podcast for a while. Yes. You've been doing this, what, you're going to your, what, fourth year now? Year three. Just the year three? So year three. you're well, like episode 158, I think, is your last episode yeah. uh, this week. Yeah. Which, by the way, is Darcy. a really good one, he says. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, Darcy, what it is, we have so much to learn right now. Well, <laughs> we what, what it is is, you know, I start, I've been in the corporate training world a long time. And so when podcasting came out and I said, ooh, I can talk, I can do that. Uh, and it was great. It was very cool. But what happened is that I got into this mode of working with middle managers and trying to help them keep their sanity. And so I do a few minutes of ranting and, and being Wayne and then talking to somebody way smarter than me for 25 minutes. And I get about 25, 30,000 downloads a month. Nice. Yeah, I'm like a star in Australia. Who knew? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but it's so weird we need- because it's like, it's led to other writing and other stuff, but the Cranky Middle Manager show is really cool. And so I interviewed a, a really cool guy, which has no interest to anybody who listens to your show, but it was a great book on management heretics. Yes, I heard that, that episode, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great. And so sometimes we just have fun with it, and, and we joke, and we talk about, you know, how do you get through the day without slapping somebody? And then other times right. we really get down in the weeds, and I geek out. And this last show, I completely geeked out. <laughs> but that's, okay, so what that's, do you consider geeking out? Like, what is like? Where do you go? Okay, I'm totally geeking, geeking out right now. What is that? Geeking out is things like getting down into. Do you want to use a three point scale or a Likert scale when evaluating training? Because you know, one is uh, easier to scan into a computer. That, that would be is completely geeking out. That's sufficiently geeky. Yes, that, that's completely that, geeky. That out buffies anything. <laughs> right there. Yeah, and, and you know, but then the following week, you know, we're talking about uh you know, correlation between office behavior and primates. So, you know, we ungeek it. <laughs> this is a very different Wayne than the one that I grew up with. <laughs> you know what's amazing? Not really. <laughs> You know, not really. If you'll remember, if you'll remember, you know, by the time I I was finishing up my my stand up career in Canada, I kind of had this teacher character down. Mm -hmm. This whole Mister Tremel thing with the pointer and imaginary blackboard and all that stuff, and which was what I was going through school for as well. So that probably explains why we're hooking up there as well. Yeah, exactly. So there's many. It was there's there's a lot of overlap in this Venn diagram. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, A lot of them. And so I, it was great. I mean, when I, I quit doing stand-up, you know, the baby was really young and the, the bills were this high and the money was only this high and, you know, finally had to, to grow up and run away from the circus. I kicked around for a while. I sold cars. I did all kinds of stuff. And then I found, first of all, training was a way to get paid to talk. I went, aha, the one marketable mm-hmm. skill I possess. Right. But the other thing was I really dug it. I dug training, and I especially like working with mi- with middle managers. Hmm. And so, 
you know, let's face it. If you look at the reviews for most of the training I do, you'll find number one was it wasn't a completely miserable time. Right. You know, so it's not what, what I thought was this giant, you know, 15-year hole in my resume where mm-hmm. I was out, you know, touching myself in front of drunk people for a living, actually <laughs> did prepare me <laughs> to deal with the, the corporate world much better than I thought. Right. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting, too. I mean, like, you know, when you, when, that, when you take that transition, I mean, like, I think that was one of the things that helped me when I was learning the trade, because you basically knew me when I was figuring it out, which is the mm-hmm. most painful to watch anyone try and do comedy is when they're trying to figure out they haven't got their voice yet, they don't know what a good joke is yet. Mm-hmm. There's just so many really bad razors that you can cut yourself on that one. Yeah. But by going through the teaching side, I found that the comedy helped my teaching and the teaching helped my comedy because the the big thing you can always do is get in front of a room in Absolutely. both of those things. And so by, by doing that, I'm with you. So that's that's exactly how I got into because I was doing corporate training for a while as well. It was very pointed. It was like how to use a specific piece of software, but training would be training. And, you know, you find yourself just coming up with really bizarre examples because, hey, you're a comic and, you know, you still don't lose that, even though I hadn't done stand Like, at the time I was doing corporate training, I wasn't doing stand-up at the time because uh, my now ex-wife wasn't a big fan of it. And so I decided at that point I loved her more than I liked doing comedy. So I stopped that so I could spend with her and... um uh, but you still have that outlet. You still want to do that thing. So it would come out in in the training sessions where you're coming well, up and, with and real by the way, things. by the way, yeah. even all years, these years later, I'm in a room full of people. Somebody knocks their water over. I go, oh, just put that anywhere. Yep. Everybody busts yes. up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I look like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> or when you go to the crowd and no one says, you ask for like, you know, does anyone have anything? Please not all at once. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. That's silence. Yep, is actually wonderful, wonderful training for the real world. Yes, <laughs> except you can't grab yourself, right? Or you get the nice lady from HR. Yeah, and if someone speaks out of turn, you can't go keep your mouth open. I'll be right over. Again, you know the <laughs> file grows by the moment. The file grows. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just interrupt here for a second and say that um, links to. Um, to Wayne's podcast over at heyitstva.com. It's, uh, I'll just get it right now. If you uh, can't wait, www.crankymiddlemanager.com. Yep. Well, actually, actually, yeah, that's to my website, and then you can link to the podcast from there. Yes. Pod- the, the podcast is actually there. hosted on the podcast network. Yeah, so it would be cmm.thepodcastnetwork.com. That is correct. And uh, what's this other thing you have going on here? Greatwebmeetings.com. You're CEO yeah. of that. I, 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 I'm the wait, president. Wait, wait, wait. that sound impressive? Oh, he's not a CEO. He's <laughs> I, you broke up there, Todd. I didn't get that. What? I said, like, you know, it said president in the last email I got from him. Well, your, sure, your story is getting more shaped. President shape. and Wait. CEO. Yeah. Here's, <laughs> Owner, here's the founder, deal. Here's the deal. webmaster. I, I spent a long time in, in the corporate world, in the training world, mostly doing presentation skills, teaching people how to talk, mm-hmm. and was miserable the last year and a half. I mean, I had gone through, and I'm not kidding, seven buyouts in 11 years. Wow. It was, it was just as much middle management hell as you can possibly imagine. And so uh-huh. they finally took me out back and shot me in December. But all that time, I was thinking, you know, 
I'm going in and teaching people to, to present. I'm teaching people how to manage. And, and their big complaint is that they're never in the same room with their people, that they're doing all these web meetings, WebEx, live meeting, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of, of um, training on how to use the technology, but there isn't any training on how to not suck when you use it. Right. And so what Great Web Meetings does is whether you're doing a webinar for marketing purposes or you're using it to you know, do demos of your product for your, your company, can you do it and present effectively? Can you sell effectively or are you just you know, mind-numbingly boring and, and not converting your customers? And so that's what it basically is presentation skills and sales skills for people that have to present on the web. Are you also helping them make the kind of decisions like which software, which tool to use? You know, it's funny. I never thought I'd have to because I I just figured I'm content neutral. I don't care who you use. Mm -hmm. But there's actually a a big piece of my business has been consulting with people and helping them make that choice. And I'm not kidding. There are 127, and that's a real number, 127 different platforms. There are 127 ways to mind-numb your audience in your (laughs) home. Yes. I, uh, I the, the last the last place I worked at in the software game was heavy heavy into PowerPoint, and this is how I figured out in terms of like web meetings and stuff like that who the cool guys were like who are the guys that got it and who are the guys that you just knew were going to be horrible and it it's it's superficial but it was the quality of the PowerPoint presentation. Because that was the currency at this place at the time. I was in product management at the time, and uh, I was looking for some from for some specifications. Like, okay, we need some specifications. We can roll in here. And I said, can you forward them to me? He's like, this guy forwarded me this presentation. It's like, oh, that that's great. I'm sure you know you're doing some sort of client meeting or something like that where you need to talk about this. Uh, where's the specification? He goes, that is a specification. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the test cases? I'll send you that presentation. No, don't, don't, don't. That's it. No. (laughs) It's amazing, you know, that the Chicago Tribune did an article a few years ago. They said, is PowerPoint the devil? Oh. And and I said, no, but he uses it really well. Oh, he's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. He'll do bullet points to just curl your hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling that was that first meeting. He says, well, let me tell you about this Apple. He also has the blink tab tag all over his website too, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. he has lots of animated gifs on his website. But anyway, I believe he was the guy that started the dancing baby. <laughs> the devil started the dancing baby. Devil yes. started the dancing baby. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Allie McBeal. That's a throwback. Um, did I just grind us to a halt? Pretty much, brother. Okay, good. All right. Um, it's all right. It's all right. I'll just, you know, we'll just grab We you can kickstart it up again. When do we get to tell embarrassing, embarrassing uh, Todd stories? Oh, right after, fire right after up. We, no, let's right after we plug your book. Yes. Your, okay. new, book. your new book. The new, yeah, um, I got a new book. Well, one of the things we do on the podcast every week is there's a quote of the week. I, I like to take quotes from famous dead people. Well, yeah, right. that was the question uh, that I was going to ask, but then you sort of answered it by talking about uh, going back and reading all the classics. Well, so it's probably where you get a lot of this, uh, this material, Well, there's a couple right? of things. And I swear to you, this is actually in my book, but I swear to you it's true. I was in a sales meeting years ago, and mm-hmm. they, were, they were squawking and moaning as the sales weasels are wont to do. 
they're squawking and moaning about why does everything take so long, whatever. And and I don't even know where this came from. It was a line from Robert Browning. He said, those flowers you carry in your arms in June are from seeds of April's planting. Yes. And I, I just kind of said, well, as Robert Browning said, and then I hit this, and the room came to a halt for a moment. <laughs> I bet and, and the energy shifted because all of a sudden – the ones who knew who Robert Browning was were stunned. And the, the rest ones of them were like, didn't, didn't this guy just drop some poetry on our ass? What's yeah, exactly. That? The ones who didn't didn't <laughs> hey, wait a the fact that they didn't know. <laughs> right? And, and uh, it was so much more politically correct way of doing it than saying, these things take time, shut up and cold call. Yeah. yeah. Which is really what the response wanted to be. But I realized that by quoting people way smarter than me, I got lots of credit. Now, in the yeah. comedy world, they call that stealing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, well, no, because footnoted. Well, you, it, that, just, exactly. that just makes you a hack. Exactly. I'm, I'm a hack. But, but uh, <laughs> you're not you know, a thief. What, you're is, a... what is Samuel Johnson going to corner me in the pilot and kick my ass? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, here, here's a little tip for, for anybody who's thinking about it. If you want to do a quote, but you can't remember who said it, mm-hmm. it was Samuel Johnson. Okay. <laughs> he was the biggest glory whore in, in English literature. Okay. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, and when we do these quotes, and I realized they were a great way of coping with the madness. Right. You know, when you're at work and, and everybody's driving you crazy and you think it's just me and, oh, my God, it's worse than ever, you think mm-hmm. back to the Roman general who said that he was no longer taking ideas for new weapons because everything that could be invented had been and he didn't have time for such foolishness. Right. <laughs> so how'd you that know, wheel and, go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, after the <laughs> Gladius, it was all downhill. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but you miss- when you're fighting guys, when you're fighting guys painted blue in skirts, <laughs> right. you know it's pretty hard to impress you. I grant you. <laughs> is that is Scots you're talking about there? Is that right? The, 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 wee, the wee picked. You talking about that? All right. Look at that guy with a spear. <laughs> so, so anyway, so the book is called "125 Quotes for Whacking Weasels." And is not actually in bookstores yet, right? It is not. I just started taking pre-orders. If you go to crankymiddlemanager.com, you can give me the money, and in about three weeks, you'll get your book. Uh, (laughs) But it will be up on Amazon in three or four weeks. Three or four weeks. Okay. I wonder if it'll show up in uh, the the Canadian version of Amazon uh, at the same time. Yeah. Do you know that? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that it does. Yeah, so we don't have to pay the, uh, the brokerage and duty. Exactly. Yeah, well, it's not like the exchange rate matters anymore. So no, that's not a problem. No. So here's a here's a question. Like, I'm 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 on your site right now. I'm actually uh, actually looking at it. So do you you have produced this entire thing yourself? Like right yeah. from cover, graphic, content, publish. I've, I put it all together. I am the publisher, quote unquote. Uh, mm-hmm. I did hire a very nice lady who can actually read to edit it for me. Good. And put it into put it into format, and then you just upload it to the uh, publisher's website. It's really quite amazing. Here's the thing, and and this is what wasn't available, you know, between podcasts and blogs and 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 all that stuff. When I was out there banging you, know, and we were, we were struggling around at Yucks, there were only limited places. If you wanted to be seen, if you wanted to get the word out. You know, mm-hmm. you had to go through certain channels. But with the internet, man, it's wide open. So if your goal is to get published, 
it's never been easier. Right. If you want to make a buck, it's a bitch. Yes. You know, if all you but, want, like you can go, you can go to Lulu, right, and self-publish and yeah. your book. Exactly. Yeah. And you can self, you can self-publish it and do everything. I should write a book. I don't know what it would be about, but I should write one. You know what? I, I got to tell you something. Even if you you don't sell very many copies, and trust and me, I would. There's something about holding that book in your hand. When when you get that book, it's like right, oh God, like a grown up writer. And never mind that you wrote. You know, you've written hours of material and performed it and honed it and all that good stuff. This is a book, mm-hmm. man. This is like oh, yeah. up people do this. Well that, it, well, that was that whole theme in like the late 80s, early 90s, where suddenly every comic just went, hey, I don't do this material anymore. I'll throw it into a book. Exactly. Paul Reiser, Bill Cosby, Judy mm-hmm. Tenuta, um, Rita Rudner. Well, they're still doing it, man. They're still doing it. Larry yeah. the Cable Guy had one of the biggest selling books last year, which, which is amazing. Whoa, 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 because whoa. It's, yeah, His audience, Larry, his audience doesn't read. <laughs> Well, you know, he got the advance money before anybody caught on to that. Yeah. But the good news is it's only about 110 pages, so your lips don't get too tired. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You sure you're out of the game? That sounds fresh. I'm totally out of the game, man. That sounds fresh, my friend. So you got 125 quotes in this book, but there's 158 uh, episodes of the podcast. So did you just pick 125 as a good number, or did you start uh, doing the quote of the week? Uh, a little bit later into the yeah, uh, I think I'd have to go back. I'm pretty sure I did one on the very first show. Uh, it's way back in the mists of time. I mean, they weren't all keepers. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure there was. A, I'm pretty sure there was a, a Roman senator or two that we decided to take a pass on. <laughs> I think we should exterminate the Jews. Okay, maybe not that one so much. That's that's racy. Not sure why I even used that one in the podcast, yeah, but, but it's not getting in the book. <laughs> it's not getting in the book. <laughs> Who was on that week? <laughs> so that's uh, you know, so so that's that's the deal on the book. So it, I've got the quote, and then you know, some smart Alec comment, like you know, one of the quotes is "Consider the mouse, what a wise animal who doesn't bet its life on just one hole." Right. Which is a brilliant piece of advice for your career. Lousy mm-hmm. advice for marriage. Yes. I was going to say, yes, that could uh, turn into so, a nice blue bit there right quick. Yeah, yeah, it's career advice. It is not marriage advice. Right. You know, do that at your peril. Because I, I was actually going to paint that above my bed. <laughs> oh, there's another hey, in a long hey. line of visuals. That's, yeah, yeah. Oh, you see, should see just, me now. I just have above mine, abandon hope all ye who enter here. <laughs> <laughs> is that in your wife's handwriting? Yeah, exactly. But it's from Dante, <laughs> so it's both it's both cutting and classy. Yeah. So spe- okay, so speaking of which, I've just noticed this now because I'm looking at your Skype handle and I'm looking at the, your your title that is on your book. So you've written this book now. Is that why you're now W Wayne Termel? No. You know what it is? This actually has a, a little bit to do with my immigration status. The deal <laughs> is that for some reason, when I was born, my parents liked the name Warren and they liked the name Wayne, and they kind of played with it, and they decided that I would be Wayne, but Wayne Warren didn't sound right. So I was Warren Wayne Termel. My legal name is Warren Wayne Termel. Mm-hmm. And this causes bureaucrats such hemorrhoids I can't even tell you. Uh-huh. Because they always say, what's your first name? Right. 
Well, if I say it's Wayne and then they see my ID, they melt down because your first name isn't Wayne. And right. if I, you know, but they never give you a spot for your, they always ask for like your middle initial. Exactly. And so I figured if I made it W. Wayne Termel, mm-hmm. which is my legal signature, then, you know, when they see my driver's license or my passport or whatever, they don't melt down, but they still call me Wayne because it's very obvious that's yes. what I'm called. And I, you and I are cut from the same cloth in that end because my, I am actually D. Todd Van Allen. The first name is Darren. I do not go by that. And I didn't even ask to be not going by that. My parents just went, he's D.T. Darren Todd. That's what we're naming him. My brother is Tyler Drew. T.D. Huh? Cute? My uh. parents are idiots. Um, <laughs> but, but this is the thing. Like, it's gotten to the point right now. Like, I, I can understand the the big bureaucratic problem you're having because of you know they don't give you the first name that you don't go by and all that i've actually in my legal through the the different uh renewing of uh of uh certif- certificates and 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 licenses and that sort of thing i've actually finally lost my first name my passport my driver's license my health card they all say todd van allen there is no trace of darren todd except on the birth certificate i think uh, but see, everything there's else, always, like, there's always a paper trail. If, there's if, always a paper trail. If yep. Sarah Palin teaches you nothing, the yes. internet gets nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she. You know what? She is. I would say probably. And you, you are closer to it than I am, Wayne. Would you say she is probably the sexiest grandmother that you're ever going to see in American politics? Well, given that she's a grandmother at the age of forty-three. Hmm. You know, it's it's not like uh, it's not like she's, you know, Cloris Leachman. No. You now, know, I mean, is she a grandmother now or not? She's about no, to be. The, the child. Is, well, it depends which. Well, blog, there's that other story, right? Which blog you read, but the, <laughs> I'm prepared to accept that. Um, you know, the right to life who doesn't want uh, religion taught in school and or doesn't want uh, birth control taught in school or available. Uh, 17-year-old senior high school daughter is pregnant, but she's only five months pregnant. Okay. Which means she should be able to fit into her prom dress. Yes. Once it's, which, once it's dropped down. Which is really what they care about at that age. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but she is, she is pretty hot, but, you know, it, at 43, let's see, she must have had her first one then at Carrie the Three. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're breeding teenager after teenager after teenager, it's pretty easy to condense the, the median right. age of grandma. How old is she? 43? She's 43. And how old is her oldest daughter or child? Uh, her oldest son is, I believe, 18 or 19. I think he's 18 because he just joined the Army, which so goes to like show what tw- some guys do to get away from mom. Yeah. Or Alaska. Well. Yeah, all that, too. How would you like that? You wake up some Saturday morning, sweetheart, I'm going hunting. You want to come? No, that's all right, Mom. I'll... You know what? I can't talk. I can't talk about that. My sister, my, my lovely little sister who lives in Ed, like north of Edmonton, so far, like any further north, she'd be making toys, <laughs> actually goes out there. Go around and, the world to the Nike factory? Is it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, as, you know, Kate and got a shop moose. 
<laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if she actually throttled it with her bare hands. But, right. but she, she's a hunter, so it's like, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty cool. You've never bagged a moose, no? Well, there was one night in Ottawa, but I think it was right. the tequila. <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> uh. Was that the night of Doug Doherty's pee stain? Was that the... Oh, my good God. All right. <laughs> there we go. Obscure... Uh, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take obscure comic references for a hundred, Alex. <laughs> there was I, I I thought it was obscure enough until I was on some comedy website, like some sort of forum or something like that, and some comic who posted uh, used as his handle name Doug Doherty's pee stain. Oh, good lord! Yeah. Okay, so my hand is up. Uh, you're gonna have to explain that to uh, uh, Wayne. Wayne, do you want to take this? Because if you know it, you either heard about it because I was in the room that night. I wasn't in the room that night. I only heard okay. about it later. Yeah. So it's, this one's all yours, buddy. Okay. Way, how painfully long is this show going to be? By the way, is anybody still <laughs> listening to this? Until we're done. Nobody okay. started, so it's okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, you know, for, for the eight listeners, we have Wayne. Well, and they're diehards. Yeah. God love them. And they're diehards. God love them. They have T-shirts. And uh, the beautiful part is we don't actually license T-shirts. I mean, we don't have any merchant, but they've come up with some. So... Good on them. Um, so yeah, there was this comic. I don't know if he's still. Do you know? Do you know if he's around? I don't think he is anymore. I haven't he seen him in eight. Making noises about getting out of the business, uh, boy. When I was still around, what's his okay. name? His name was Doug, Doug Doherty. Yeah. And by by the way, a nicer guy than is often given credit for. Oh, absolutely. I, I never just, had a bad defense, thing to say about him. In his defense, I actually liked Doug. Oh yeah. Yeah, it did not I, uh, have a universal good reputation among the. He he was the kid in the sandbox that the other kids all made fun of. Absolutely, and and then just when you were defending him, he'd eat paste, and you'd go, "Oh God, I get it." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that, that, that was, was kind of the, it. I mean, like you know, because I, I was I was at that time when I was like still trying to find myself and whatever. And at least he he was one of the guys that gave me time to you know talk with him and at least just get some insight about you know where he was with comedy and what his thoughts were. You know, so you could you could formulate your own picture and that sort of thing. But and you're exactly right. You would you know suddenly you know pick up a dead bird and put it in his mouth and then I'm saying metaphorically not physically um but yeah you'd, you you would want to hang out with him and, and and get that sort of stuff happening and then suddenly bam something goofy anyway. would happen so, he's on so anyway he's on stage at one point and i i can't remember if he got called up immediately or or something like that like i guess he had just come out of the bathroom and this was like you know mid to late 80s early 90s so like people were wearing the sports coats and just figured you were dressy enough you're just wearing a sports jacket and he was wearing track pants <laughs> And as he's on stage, this 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 stain, you know, from I, I guess he had just gone from the bathroom and didn't shake all the well. It just starts creeping its way across the front of his gray track pants. That last drop always goes under your pants. Yeah, yeah. Well, well he, 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 not, he neither shook nor danced as a turn. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, we, like we're standing there watching this, going, I can't believe this is happening. This is yeah, okay. I, I can't believe somebody has actually. Not only remembered it, but it's burned their way into their central cortex to the point yeah. where all these years later they can recall it. And not just that, there are sad souls out there who remember. Yeah. That's both impressive and pathetic, really. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
You, you, you who uh, who did you hear the Horowitz story from? <laughs> Are you really going to go there? You bastard. I'm dead serious. He teach he teaches at Humber right now. He teaches told, he teaches comedy at Humber College right now. Uh, I I know he does. Um yeah. I heard the story. I, I was still living with Tim Conlon and mm-hmm. what no, I think I just gotten married actually. So I just moved oh. out. And it, Tim and I were talking, and he had just come back from Toronto, and he said, oh, my God, I've got to tell you the funniest thing I've ever heard. Right. And I said, Tim, the minute anybody says this is the funniest thing you've ever heard, it immediately mm-hmm. drops on the funny scale. You know it's never true. Except right. it was the funniest thing I had ever heard. <laughs> uh-huh. And I actually picked up the phone and called Mark Walker. Who I heard it from. Well, who was there? I mean, he was the yes. guy. He was yes. he was the only eyewitness. And and it, listeners, both of you, if anybody tells you they were there and they're not Mark Walker, they're lying right. to your face. Yep. I called Mark and I said, first of all, tell me the story, which he did. And amazingly, Tim had done a wonderful job of recounting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I said, you know, you, my friend, are going to heaven with your shoes on because – he hadn't told anybody until the story got out. Right. He was such a good trooper. I mean, mm-hmm. the man is a saint. Yes. Oh, he is. Mark is one, of, and he still is to this day. Absolutely. One of the Absolutely. most uh, affable, easygoing, nice guys. He's always got time for you. Like whenever we're doing shows together, which isn't often because I think he's still with Yucks now. I think still, but he makes his way out and out, out in a bit. And uh, every time we see each other, it's oh, like, good. "Hey, have just a seen agent. Him. He's now going to lose his livelihood. Nice work, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah, Because he's a nice guy. Okay, so I'm Darcy. I'm guessing you don't know the Larry Horowitz story. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, just the fact that it's known universally as the Larry right. Horowitz story. As the Larry Horowitz story. No. Okay, Wayne. This one's yours. Take it away. Now, God, I can't believe I'm telling this story. This is awful. Yes, you are. <laughs> Don't worry. The, the eight people that download this thing will be shocked and awed as well. Don't worry. Well, and, and in my defense, it actually appeared in the Toronto Sun. So there we go. Which it I thought was true. completely inexcusable. So anyway, here's the story as I heard it, and I have no idea if it's true. But the story as I heard it <laughs> is he and Mark are, are working up in the Bruce Peninsula at this local uh, once a year. The town does a banquet kind of thing and there's this buffet and and my dear friend has been known to do some damage to a buffet in his time he is no stranger to a cheeseburger no so or or, you know bowls of mayonnaise covered (laughs) goodies so he you know grazes the buffet and the show starts and and so mark is on stage and he he tells he introduces larry and larry goes up and he's you know wearing a nice shirt and tan pants and as happens to all human beings comic or otherwise uh, on the stage feels the the gas pressure built and so as we have all done and you know don't tell me you haven't kind of lifts up on one cheek and prepares to do except okay, that th- let me just out. let me just stop you right there for a second i have done it but never on stage i've never then done you're a better man than me are you serious? Where oh, did serious. you do it on a heart stage? We'll pause the story right now. We'll pause it. Where did you fart on stage? Oh, where did I not? Oh, are you serious? 
Oh, you know how much I used to walk around on stage. Why do you think I would occasionally take these long runs to the back of the stage? Because, you know, as I'm stomping around, I could, like, turn my back to the curtain and and off you go. You used to have a reputation. Nobody wanted – you didn't want to have to follow Wayne. I mean, it wasn't because of your act. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) See, I always hung my hat on the fact that so many people said, oh, you can't follow Wayne. It's like, oh, this guy's good. No, it was actually a health warning. Just gassy. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, anyway, so he's got he's got he, one, he lifts, up one he lifts up one cheek and realizes this is not a drill <laughs> and proceeds to pretty much engage in everyone's worst nightmare, which is to avoid <laughs> themselves on the stage. And what makes what makes it funnier like, in my mind is, is Mark Mark uh told me the bit that he was doing. And it's that one. Yes, exactly. But without the visual, it 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 doesn't. Have so, the... so well, I think people might might know him anyway. Like he's this big guy. He's 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 kind of like a, like a fairly round, rotund guy. And he has this bit where he's in the doctor's office by himself, waiting for the doctor to come in. So he starts playing with the equipment, and he takes the blood pressure reader around oh his God. neck. And uh, starts, and it, it, he starts miming, uh, twisting the bulb, like punching the bulb, so that mm-hmm. the the thing expands around his neck. And so he does this great thing where, like, you know, he's he's making his head look like it's about to explode. So there's all this pressure, <laughs> which crescendos into, you know, if you've ever popped a balloon, as Wayne says, a couple of ammo. Oh God! I can't believe I'm doing this to poor Larry. Oh my God! Oh, so anyway, yep. so so there's a moment of of horror when he recognizes what's happened, which is by all accounts followed by a secondary moment when the first, second, and third rows yes. realize what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so now this is the consummate professional that he is. Yeah. Excuse me for just a moment. And he walks it. Now, the only way off the stage is through the middle of the audience. So it's pretty apparent fairly quickly what has occurred. <laughs> he goes in, cleans himself off as best he can, uh-huh. undoes his shirt. Now, depending on which version of the story you hear, he either wraps his shirt around himself, which means he's not wearing a shirt, which means this is taking on visual proportions that nobody needs to deal with. <laughs> or he just has his shirt hanging out and covering it, comes back on stage and says, what do you know, shit really does happen. Nice. Now, a couple of things. First of all, again, I, I wasn't there. I don't know that it was there. Uh-huh. I, I don't know that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But if it was, that is officially the funniest thing that has ever occurred in the history of comedy ever. Right. I think, I think at that point as well, and you can talk to guys who are around at that point, that one line uh, represents uh, the sum total of his new material for many years previous to that. Ooh. Well, he was notorious for not writing new jokes. I mean, that's That's true. That's, you know, he's notorious even at that point, And I don't know how much how, how much he's done. As, you know, and I have actually told that story to to innocent bystanders when they start talking about the worst possible uh, because I taught presentation skills for so many years. Yep. 
you know, I, I would go to these corporate events to teach, and people would be sitting around at dinner after class talking about, you know, their worst presentation experience. And I would actually tell that story as a way of reminding them that they have no idea how bad it right. can really get. So if you're feeling bad about saying that story on this podcast right now, let me just tell you uh, right now, in the number of times that you've relayed that story, you have a larger audience than we do right now. I know, but you know what? It's still... <laughs> and, and actually, I, I was furious when I heard that the gossip columnist in The Sun actually alluded to the incident in the paper. Right. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, comics telling the story, busting Larry's chops, you know, yes. whatever, that's fair game. It happened. We are a vicious, horrible breed who will turn on our own in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, deal with it. You know, I'm okay with that. But, this, but the same ones that will give them a nonstop lift to Calgary. Exactly. You know, that's, yes. So you, know, you exactly. take the crunchy with the smooth. You know what you're getting into. Yes. So <laughs> so that's that's the that's the deal on, on the story. And and yeah. you know what? That's the thing. When people ask me, you know, do, do you miss doing stand up and all that stuff? That's the stuff I miss. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I, I miss the stories. I miss the making Todd drink out of the uh, the trophy, mm. <laughs> which, by the way, was the third choice on what we were going to make him drink out of. So, yeah, I, I know. He really yeah. one and two. Eternally, he, he really needed to be eternally grateful. Is all I'm saying. I, I, I believe there's the both him and Kenny was starting to hike down trousers. I was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Well, you know, you, you were lucky Wayne Fleming wasn't there, or all bets would have been off. So. Oh, sweet Jesus, yeah. Um, but the, the 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 thing is, too, I mean, like, when you, when you talk about these stories, like, you sort of want the guy who, is, who has been there, and even over these years, you can imagine that they would embellish a bit, because, like, there's been stories just this summer is, like, the worst for it. Um, there, I don't know if you know about Guy Earl, who was out west, who was up on this human rights tribunal for abusing the rights of, of like these two lesbians who decided to make a point of sitting up in the front of the show and making out in front of him? you hear any of this? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. So there's, there's but... re- you can research that, but that happened, and so you get this whole story that's kind of kind of blows out of proportion. There is a, a, a bust-up in Ottawa on stage where uh, one of the comics we know, Scott McMahon, he uh, defended uh, himself because this woman basically was uh, had a shard of a pint glass, broken pint glass, and was starting to come at him. And so he clocked her. And Scott McMahon's not a, not a slight fellow. Like, he can hold his own, especially against a larger woman holding a shard of glass. You know, like, there's been all these things, but, like, you talk to so many people after the point, and, like, you see the postings that, you know, that are recording it in the in the comedy community, or you, like, talk to guys who were there or know someone who was there, and the, 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 stories, the stories just get expanded and expanded and embellished and embellished, and you really don't know what the kernel of truth is to it until you're there with, like, someone who was there. I, I do know, though, that I was almost sued my second year in stand-up. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is you a good were doing story. something right then, my friend. Not many <laughs> I had just started doing stand-up. And I was working in a town called Gibson's Landing, which is famous only for having been the home of the Beachcombers series. Oh, yeah. And it was a horrible gig, just a horrible, ungodly gig. And there was, was a girl there? I recognized from high school who <laughs> was 
just a, a snooty, terrible person and whatever. And But I, I, I was there and I said, oh, Cindy, hi, how are you? And she basically spurned me or whatever. So right. I'm up there on stage and I'm dying a horrible, ugly death. The only thing that's working is working with the audience. And her drunken friend says, hey, she went to school with you. And I looked down and I said, is her name, is that you? And she said, yes. And I went, oh, nice to see you again. And then I turned to the audience and went, I did her. <laughs> nice. And uh, didn't actually use the word did. I, I can't remember the exact word, but – and I'm not being coy. I actually don't remember what I said exactly. Okay. But a big laugh. Suffice ha, ha, to ha, say ha. it means you, was, you, know, you, you had relations. I, I implied that I had relations of so thought nothing of it, and she, <laughs> I get a letter, a legal letter, five days later in the mail what? <laughs> from a lawyer. Uh, Dear Mr. Tremell, it's my understanding that on such and such a night in your performance at such and such a club in Gibson's Landing, you publicly insulted my client, Cindy Whitson. If this is your idea of entertainment, you and your audience are sick people and will have to suffer the consequences of a lawsuit. Wow. And I've been in comedy like a week. right? And I'm freaking out. And I have no idea what to do. I, I'm, I'm, so I, I called a lawyer. I said, I've got no money. I've got a simple question. <laughs> you know, here, here's the deal. And, and so I, I got this lawyer on the phone, and she had this very proper British accent. I thought, I'm dead. <laughs> Snooty English woman lawyer is going to hear my story, and she's just going to tell me to, you know, bend over and take it like a man. Right. So she's, well, all right, Mr. Tunnell, tell me what happened. So I tell her, and I tell her the story, word for word, and exactly what happened. And there's this pause, and this very proper English accent says, what a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, okay, I now love you, but what do I do? (laughs) And she said, well, write her a letter. That's all she wants. So sure enough, I I wrote this grovelly letter, Uh and I said – you know, I'm sorry if you took it wrong. It was, you know, your friends started the interchange, and I, it was a joke, and that's all it was. And I'm sorry you took offense, and gobble, gobble, gobble. And that yeah, was that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, how's that for a story you've never heard, Junior? That is a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. That's I a, think a long one. time ago. I, I had said that, you know, we're going to be explicit, but there'll be no C word on this podcast. And, right. and here's the best part. It came from. <laughs> I well, was you know, actually you voted. Le- I was in high school. I was voted least likely to even know what that meant. <laughs> I think it was totally appropriate. I think it totally worked. And uh, well, just... in the context of the story, it was, after all, a direct quote. Yes. Yes. It's perfect. It's staying in. <laughs> well, I would expect it to because let's face it. I mean, we've said it so many times in this podcast anyway. Yeah, I'm lazy and I don't edit. Exactly. Oh, there you are. So, Wayne, take take your liberty. Say stuff that you wouldn't normally say on your podcast. <laughs> well, that's a long list, man. Yeah. <laughs> How many times list. do you get to say douchebag on yours? We say it about 18 times in an hour. Only when talking about my former employers. Got I it. think you sort of, you covered up, you use the term weasel. Like, can you, I, I use it a lot. 
Yeah. Can you uh, define who a weasel is for you? You know who a weasel is. A weasel <laughs> weasels are the the people at work that backstab that you know tell you the report will be in on Thursday because you know your job depends on it, but mm-hmm. they take Wednesday through Friday off. Yep. And knew they were going to take it off when they committed. Right. <laughs> uh, weasels are the ones who take credit for your your work. Uh, weasels are the employees who will look you in the eye and say, yes, of course I will get that project done and then just, you know, go on to something else. Uh, the whole point of the show and the tagline of the show is don't let the weasels get you down. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's exactly what the show is about is just – you know what? It, work sucks. We know this. And especially when you're a middle manager, you're always squeezed. But most people want to do a good job. You know, they don't get up in the morning and say, I want to be a completely ineffectual neuter today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing how many accomplish it, but it's not how they start out the day. Yeah. It just kind of works out that way. <laughs> and, and the whole point of the show was this is really hard work and we appreciate what you do and it is possible to get through the day. And even though you want to grab that idiot by the lapels, it's frowned on. Yes. So, you know, what my show says is it's okay to feel like that. It's not okay to act on it. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and so the, the whole idea, you know, the idea of the it's book, a bit of an outlet then I guess. Yeah. Okay. It, it's exactly what it is. It's, so it's, it's really a release for you. Oh, completely. And for everyone. Yeah. People listening as well. Bit of a commiseration, I think. Exactly. People, I am amazed. I get email literally. I mean, again, this is the power of the internet, right? I get email from all over the world. I've got a, a fanatical listener in India. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy is, is borderline, borderline stalker. But God love him. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he, he sends me show ideas. He, he comments on the shows. He does all that stuff. And... You know, there's people in Russia and people in in uh, Australia and and all over the place that listen to the show. So it's not like misery at work is an unusual problem. No. And and so the whole idea of the show, and it's funny, I said it on the very first show as just kind of a tagline to to get out of the episode. And mm-hmm. the minute I said it, the minute I said, "Don't let the weasels get you down," I went, "Oh, that's a keeper." Yeah, that's <laughs> there. You go. That's what we were yep. looking for. You know, so my entire good... comedy career, I couldn't come up with a good, you know, catchphrase that would make <laughs> right. me a million dollars. Now that it's long gone, I've got him dripping from every pore. Right. It's well, you know what? Feeling... It's, it's good. It's good that you kept that one, and you didn't listen to like Lisa Hainberg. Lisa Hainberg, I love Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if I'd ever describe you as quote like Bob Costas on peyote buttons. I mean, is that? That's not you. Uh, you read that off the website. I am completely reading that. What you think I came up with that? How, <laughs> no, Lisa, Lisa Hanneberg. Here's the deal. What, the the exact <clears throat> quote was, and she actually sent several of them because I actually had given her a blurb for her book, and you know we're all incestuous media horse. Yes. So Lisa sent me three, three of them, and the one, and this is not on the book. This isn't the one on the book cover. It is the one on my website, though is that she, she basically said the best part of the – the quotes are okay, but the best part is all the commentary. Mm-hmm. And then she said it's a little like Bob Costas on peyote buttons. Oh, and I just love that because I, I, you know, I may be the only business podcast in the world to regularly quote Hunter S. Thompson. Really? Who is, who is after all, my, my literary idol. Yes. 
you know, I love I loved Hunter, man, and, and he okay, changed so, my life. So, so, so you know, so sidebar, going sidebar on that. To turn pro. Side, sidebar on that. Did you ever um, did you ever read Ralph Steadman's book? The joke is all over. I think that's the name Not of it. The yet. joke's all. I just picked it up, and yeah, when I say just, I mean the name of the book. That's the one. That's the one. It's it's wonderful knowing Ralph Steadman's relationship with him. It's just mm-hmm. it's a fantastic. You got to read that. Oh yeah, I'm, and this, this is from this is from a guy, by the way, who hasn't read an inch of Hunter S. Thompson outside of the in being inside this book. I just looked at it and going, I know Ralph Steadman, I know his work, I've seen a lot of his stuff, and here's a way that I can get into the head of Hunter S. and then go through his books. Uh, oh, so fear that's and the way I'm going. On the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. There, there are two books. One is The Great White Shark Hunt, which I read when I was about 15. It was a big, thick paperback uh, uh, compilation of like his greatest hits from Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. which was the best possible introduction. Right. And I, I'm reading this stuff, and it's got little bits of campaign trail and little bits of fear and loathing in Las Vegas, which at 16 I was nowhere near ready to read and probably ruined me mm-hmm. for life. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and explains a lot, by the way. Baptist but, churches aren't like this. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, you, you know, so I loved Hunter Thompson. But it, really, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail is every bit as uh, as relevant today mm-hmm. as it was then. It's a really sad statement in the world. It, it, the best line is, is Hunter Thompson was describing Richard Nixon. And this describes the election scene today absolutely right he was talking about nixon's greed to be the president yep. and he said anybody who wants to be president that badly should be automatically disqualified yes well tell me that ain't ringing in somebody's ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i they i think they cover that quote in the book too i think they, you know, I think so, they cover it yeah so, you know, I just read so much Hunter Thompson over the years, and that whole idea of that kind of gonzo reporting, I mean, in a way, that's what uh, Philistine's journal is. It's the very, very white bread version of that same kind of, um, you know, just right stream of consciousness and whatever comes into your head and bizarre connections. Yes. You know, mm. so so – that, and that's that's what I always wanted to do in my stand-up, and I never really did. I mean, you know, to go back now. But, you know, my career, I, I, was, t- I was telling you offline, Todd, you know, I, I had what is at best uh, a, a mixed success in my career. <laughs> so it's um, – Yeah. You know, I think, and, I think and, your company it, now airs the same time as mine, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, you know, it's so crazy. I just, after all these years, I still run into people. I mean, Tim Conlon, in, in a, a drunken confession, told me that what got him up to do his first open mic was seeing me. Perform. Really? Wow. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. It's all in the intonation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because as my friend, the way he said it was, I saw you up there doing that, and I thought, oh, my God, I can do that. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, with a little bit of an emphasis on the wrong syllable, yeah, <laughs> as Glenn Foster would say, yes, it becomes well. Pff, if he can do that, yeah. So you know, you gotta be careful when people are paying you tribute like that. Yes. <laughs> but you, uh, you were a, a fine student, grasshopper. Oh, thank you, thank you, Sensei. 
we do it. Well, the one thing, see, what I liked about what, what you were doing, and this is what me and Kenny, and, and there, there was a bunch of us who were, were kind of diehard purists at the time, mm-hmm. is you understood that comedy was an art form. Mm-hmm. And, and you were, were trying to learn. Like you said, you were trying to find your voice and trying to do all that stuff. You understood that's what you were doing. And we basically would take anybody under our wing, first of all, who'd talk to us and buy. Uh, that was the, you know, those were the two criteria. Yeah. But more importantly, more importantly, you were a, you were a student of the craft, and, and that's mm. what we respected. So people that actually took the craft seriously and weren't doing it just as a way to meet girls and get drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that those were bad, you know, no. second motivators, but. No. People that were really into the craft, and you could sit up and you'd you'd talk for hours about how to deconstruct a joke and and that kind of stuff. That's what you know. We we had like a whole little gang of people that used to do that, and I guess some of it rubbed off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've uh, we've we've plugged the book, 125 quotes for whacking weasels. We've kissed Todd's ass. Uh, check check. Okay, <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up. There you go. Um, well, we got we got one more piece of business because we haven't been able to do this in a while, not in the official sense. Uh, Wayne, uh, I hope you're uh, boned up on Simpsons because uh, we have a Simpsons question of the day. Oh God, yeah, I'm going to fail miserably. I'm sure, but mm, okay, well, this this one this one should be right in the sweet spot, yours and mine, because it's a uh, it's a it's a churchy one. Okay. Yeah, it's multiple choice. So you get a multiple choice. Like you get a choice of three. You can get unless it's a movie moment, in which case you have to come up with like what the movie is, and there isn't a thing. But anyway, this is not that. So here it is uh, on the day that we're recording, September third. Here comes in the episode like father, like clown. Which, if you're googling, is eight F zero five is the. uh, (laughs) I'm actually not googling. I'm taking this one naked. So. Uh, and I and I hope that means you're doing it without googling. Uh, what <laughs> is the name, Monkey Boy? <laughs> I, okay, if when people go to the website, they're going to see pictures of you, Wayne. That's not an image they need. I'm just saying, hey, you're the one that got me to say the c word. It's Grizzly Adams without a tie. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> you are. You, you know what? You're still still to this day. I'm looking at like we're totally sidebarring on the uh, on the question. You're still you're still the yeah, same handsome man. I knew way back in that day. Oh well, you I'd love you, but that's that's damning with faint praise. Is no, 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 no. You, know, you, you, you if you saw pictures of me, Wayne, and you don't want to, I remember I how I used to have hair. Yeah, I don't now. There's no. Yeah, hair. I know. Yeah, we we yeah. all um, we all used to be, we all used to be younger, kid. Yeah. You do realize I will talk about anything other than risk humiliation because the last time I was asked a trivia question in public, I was on Jeopardy and got stomped. What? You were on Jeopardy? Yeah. Oh. This, that, I, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time with this then. That's... <laughs> why wasn't that in the show notes? God damn it. I don't know. I was on Jeopardy. Do tell, sir. Yes. Oh, my God. You did not have, this is going to be like episodes three, four, and five of this silly-ass podcast. Go, 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 go. Don't worry That's about awesome. it. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, we're, when was both it? Both were would going long, 90, but for good reason. <laughs> would have been 94. Winter right. of 94. Uh, and, oh, God, this is a three-beer story. Keep My going. wife had spent years telling me, oh, you know, you should be on Jeopardy. You should be on Jeopardy. And so finally, you know, I was living in L.A. and broke as a church mouse and decided, well, what have I got to lose except getting her to shut up? 
which was my primary motivator. So I, I went down to the studios and I stood in line and the audition pro- process for, for Jeopardy is, you know, a three hour bit. I swear to God. It is the largest collection of people that used to run the projector in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. AV club. It's, it's like the meaning of the AV club. It's white guys in shirts and ties as far as the eye can see. So you go into the studio and, and the way it used to be done, you would actually sit in the Jeopardy studio and everybody's all a, a buzz, right? And you, they give you a, a quiz. It's a 50-point quiz. And they don't tell you what the passing grade is. But you get a sheet with 50 blanks and then they start running Jeopardy questions. And it starts out everybody's being very quiet and watching. Right? But everybody knows if you're a real Jeopardy fan that you can't say you knew it if you didn't say it out loud. So people start muttering mm-hmm. under their breath, and then mm-hmm. the guy next to you gets it wrong, so you say it a little louder next time. It's all very alpha male in, in a geeky <laughs> Jeopardy kind of way. Yeah. And, and so you, 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 it finishes up. There's like 100 people in the stands screaming at the screen and writing their ass. <laughs> so, and then nice. they go and they mark them right there. And then they, Now, keep in mind, there's 100 people there who think they're smart enough to be on Jeopardy. Right. Ten of us made the cut. Okay. All right. I am literally the only person of that ten who isn't holding a master's degree. Whoa. Right. I got an associate's of, you know, of broadcast journalism from BCIT burning a hole in my pocket. (laughs) And there's there's ten people. And the person on one side to me is the systems analyst for USC. (laughs) <laughs> and the person on the other side is, I swear to God, working on cold fusion <laughs> at, at Jet Propulsion Laboratories. And they said, Wayne, what do you do? And I said, I touch myself in front of drunk people for a living. <laughs> and they said, and, I remember Alex Rebecca asking you that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they said, excuse me? And, and so I explained I'm a stand-up, blah, blah, blah. So cut to... I'm on the road in like Detroit somewhere, and I get a phone call, can you do Jeopardy? And... and you know, Jeopardy, you don't get the money unless you win, right? And mm-hmm. my, my daughter is starving. We're way behind in the rent. I'm in the middle of a road trip through, like, the thumb of Michigan. And I have to turn them down. So there's my shot at stardom because they, they don't ask twice. Oh. And then the Northridge earthquake hit. And we were living in L.A. We got cleaned out. But the good news is everybody was afraid to come to L.A. for the last two weeks of shooting. <laughs> So literally, after not having any electricity or power for two days, the phone rings, and it's the Jeopardy folks. Can you be down here tomorrow to do the show? Right. Oh, as I dig through the rebel of our lives to to get to the phone, right? So so my wife and I go down, and we go down to the studio, and it's everything you would think it is. It's tighter in a frog's arse. It is, there's no communication with the audience. You're, you're it's kept in the little soundproof booths. And, and, you know, Alex doesn't talk to anybody until the moment of the show. And so here comes the show. So I'm on my little episode. And for the first few minutes, I'm getting nothing. I, I'm convinced my button doesn't work because everybody's ringing in but me. But then all of a sudden, I get on a hot streak. And I'm I'm up. I'm I'm oh my god! I'm winning. I'm and before you know it, at the end of single Jeopardy, going into double Jeopardy, I'm in the lead. Nice. And the voice in the back of my head is going, "Hey, your kid's going to Harvard." <laughs> <laughs> and then in double Jeopardy, 
it, it's like my limbic system shut down and I just froze. And right. two double jeopardies in a row, and now I'm in last place mm-hmm. when he gets to final jeopardy. Did you and, get you both know, double jeopardies? Yeah. Wow. I got the first one and blew the second one. Okay. So now I'm in third. So now I'm in third place, and the little voice in my head is going, "Your kid's going to community college. Live with it." Yeah. <laughs> so here comes the question. Okay, now, now, if you want to know that all time is relative, this is how much thinking can go through your head in thirty seconds, because that's what you get to answer the question. Alex says, and I'm looking at the numbers, and if I bet everything, if I bet every single penny, and the other two have a meltdown, I'm mathematically still in the game. Right? Okay. So I have to bet everything. I, I bet it all. The title, it, it's The Ecology. I'm thinking, good, okay. I'm a good bleed art liberal, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all about this. So, so, so we're in good shape. The question comes up. In 1954, this woman edited the Depici- Department of Fish and Wildlife's newsletter from 1954 to 1956. <laughs> now, here's what I hear. Yeah, I hear you that didn't news- know that. <laughs> I hear the news. <laughs> and I hear myself say, Department of Fish and Wildlife, 1954 to 1956. Sounds like the kind of bonehead job they'd give the president's wife. Who was president, 54 to 56? I'm Canadian. How the hell do I know? Right. Mm. And then I realize Truman. Uh, Truman. Truman was president. Okay, good. Okay. Was it Bess or Margaret? Which one is the wife or which one is the – I don't know. I'm melting down. Do, 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 do. Right. And then I remember it, it, there's like this really sexist old loophole, loophole that if you just write the person's last name – that's good enough. Yep, exactly. So I scroll Mrs. Truman in just this obscenely bad handwriting. Doot, 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 doot. So now I'm in a puddle of my own sweat. Mm-hmm. And Alex goes, Wayne, you're lagging behind, you big fat loser, or something to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he said. By the way, he did you bring any – Fellow Canadian. Yeah. He said, what's your, what's your, well, I've got an Alex Trebek story too, but that's a long one. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, he says, let's see what you got. So now not only is it wrong, not only do I know it's wrong, but it's illegible. So he has to ask me what my answer is. <laughs> Who is Mrs. Truman, Alex? No, Wayne, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And it was all I could do not to go, no, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. In 28 minutes, you go from being totally excited to being stuff on the bottom of a shoe. Right. And... As they're walking me out, you know, with the worst prizes in the history of Jeopardy, they said, Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. People will be so impressed by the fact that you were on Jeopardy, they won't even remember how you did. Right. What was the answer, by the way? The answer was Rachel Carson. And and the reason anybody would have known that that is immediately after that, she came out with the book Silent Spring. Ah. And, you know, really, in the 50s, how many ecologists were there? <laughs> well, you know, her. So had, my, had my, my neurons actually been firing, uh, yeah. if there was an outside shot, I could have gotten it. But uh, they said, no, nobody will remember how you did. Not true. For a week, I would be getting messages on my phone going, hi, this is Frankie Villalobo. We worked together up in Lompoc about six months ago. You never bet everything. What are you, a moron? Click. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad we can make you relive it here on the TV. Yeah, exactly. Podcast. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just like one big open emotional sore now. <laughs> yeah. So, so Wayne, you, no one goes away from the podcast empty-handed. So we will give you a copy of the home game. 
Um, oh, excellent. I want yeah. to relive this moment. Yeah. So what, what it is is you, uh, you sit across your uh, computer. It's got this little Skype interface and uh, eight people. You can see eight people download it and stop about halfway through. Excellent. And someone's calling me now. That's great. That's actually me. Nothing but consummate professionalism here. That's you know all right. Oh, that's fantastic. Of course I'm not going right. to answer it. Yeah, we're about So meanwhile, okay, so Sims the question of the day. Yes. Who the hell You're is still that? not going to let me skate on this. Okay. No, I am not going to let you skate on this. If you knew who the hell, you know, if you took the guess of Truman, which I think is a logical guess, by the way, not just kissing your ass. That's a very good idea. But no, here we go. Um, I'm actually going to give you choices. So what was the name? Okay, so in Father Like Clown, or Like Father Like Clown, mm-hmm. 8F0. What is the name of the radio show Reverend Lovejoy hosts with uh, Rabbi Krustovsky, who you remember is uh, the estranged father of Krusty the Clown? Uh, is the name of the radio show that they both share A, You, Us, and Him, B, Gavin About God, or C, Lordline? Uh, I would say Gavin About God. Okay. I'm going to back There's- you up on that one. I'm pretty sure it's B. It is uh, because it was the talk of uh, it's the talk of uh, every recess. Bart uh, tries <laughs> yeah, that's to right. tell oh, Rep. Yeah. Lovejoy. Oh yeah, it's all what all the kids. Would you like one of the T-shirts? You could be cool. Yeah, thanks. Well, we're at home anyway. So Thanks. yes, first one I've gotten right. This is uh, this is the first time that any like we've had the clean sweep across the board with guests and uh, both of us. Everyone got it. So Wayne, you've just made podcast history. <laughs> oh, uh, and I tell you, I, I could actually burst. Well, at least my nipples could. <laughs> right right through my shirt, man. I, I'm so excited I can't even tell you. You may want to see a doctor. Okay. Um, so that is, uh, that's all we got, I think. Wayne, do you have anything else you want to cover this time? Because we'll definitely have you back at some point because this was uh, fantastic talking today. Oh man! Well, it was good to catch up with you, brother. I, I, uh, no, I can't imagine making any sense out of this conversation. But uh, you know, well, any, any yeah. excuse, any excuse to catch up is works for me. Well, I think nice. it's our longest show, and uh, I'm going to go as far as to say our best one so far. Wow, boy, that's look really at that, sad. Wayne. That just, <laughs> yeah, it tells you that not only do we have we have uh, endurance on this one, but it also tells you what a suckhole job we've done on the previous sixty four of these. So <laughs> sixty four of these bad boys. Good well, now man. you see, this is the thing. We have got this new numbering convention because we don't actually do this every episode. Now it's now every second one because we have radio spots and it's convoluted. Darcy will talk take you through it. He's got pie charts and. PowerPoint, <laughs> it's a PowerPoint presentation. It's not that complicated. We have two episodes a week. <laughs> One is I know, a, I've seen the website. Like this. There you go. See, I've seen the it. website. I did my not research. Hard, Todd. There you go. All right. All right. But well, I got a, I got a hit this, this week. Of, what's sad is this is the result of me being prepared. <laughs> what's sad is if you listen to episode sixty-three. That's what's sad. <laughs> I do not bag on sixty-three. I thought sixty-three was an okay episode. I've listened to it twice already. We have feedback to. Uh, share You're just with. trying to pump up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our we, listenership doubled this week. It did. It means someone accidentally was looking for like transvestite association podcasts, and they came across mine. Yeah. All right. So at the end of this show, you're going to hear um, a tune by Raymond Goose, or Raymond Goose. 
Raymond Goose. C O O S E. Yeah, it's okay. um, it's a straight ahead uh, blues instrumental, upbeat, nice. Um, off the Podsafe Music Network. Um, Raymond, like uh, in the blues tradition, is a, a white guy from England, and mm-hmm. um, but he has he's played with uh, with Boo Boo Davis actually. Oh, nice! Another another uh, regular on the show. Well, not regular, yes. but you know he's been here. Yeah. This yes. is called Rude Mood. Alrighty. So, uh, Darcy, why don't you, uh, I would like to say thank you for producing as always. Yes, what? Yes. Uh, Wayne, uh, a pleasure having you on, and uh, we'll have you back for sure. Pleasure being had, buddy. Have us. All right, man. This is Tavanel saying thank you, everyone, and uh, toodles. Toodles.